are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress. We have started a series a couple weeks ago uh, on Beyond Blessed, and our ushers are going to receive our Wednesday night tithe and offering while I kind of intro this. The first lesson, Nathan Varnum spoke about stewardship and the importance and the idea that we are stewards to be good stewards of the resources God has put in our hands. And each one of us most likely have money and resources that comes into our hands. And the question is, what are you doing with those resources and how can you use it to honor the Lord and uh, to be able to do what God wants you to do with it. And that was uh, a great, great lesson. And then the next week, he specifically talked about the giving component. Um, We are distinguishing the difference between uh, giving and uh, stewardship in, in the sense of how you use your money. Both of those, I believe, are equally important. That generosity is important. It's very clear in Scripture about tithing, giving your offerings, but it's also equally as clear in Scripture that we are good stewards of the resources that God has put in our hands. And so I appreciate Nathan Barnum taking those lessons and uh, really speaking to those two aspects. Uh, I'll cover what's going to happen tonight, but next week is going to be the final uh, really chapter of this particular series, and there's going to be Uh, a man by the name of Reverend Doug Hughes that is going to be with us next Wednesday. He's from Bloomington, Indiana, and uh, he is going to speak on the subject of finances and stewardship. He's a financial advisor as well as a minister in Bloomington, Indiana, and I know you're going to enjoy him. But tonight, we are going to talk about and discuss practical ways that we can and should use our money. And uh, there are a lot of things that the Bible doesn't say about money because some of these things did not exist when, as it pertains to money, in the Bible. And so we're going to uh, try to find some principles that uh, are applicable to our culture and our society today as it pertains to money and how we use money. And so we're specifically going to be talking about four key areas of money. The first is debt, uh, how, how best to handle uh, debt or to view debt. And then we're going to talk a little bit about taxes Uh, How do we handle taxes? What should we do uh, about taxes and those kind of things? And then budgeting, uh, what what we can do practically to help us in our everyday budgeting. And then retirement, uh, how do we save? What should we be thinking about as it pertains to our retirement? And I want to thank, and I'm going to invite them to come up, but Matt Wheeland, Alex Shirley and Nathan Barnum are going to help us with this discussion tonight. Would you appreciate them? And I will introduce them uh, one at a time. But what 
is in front of you, you have two things in front of you. The first is a document I'll reference in just a minute. But there is a little square card that I would like you, as they begin to present, they're going to present on each one of these topics. And then as they present, if, if you have a question or maybe you think of something, I want you to write it down. Once they've finished presenting, I'll, I'll come back and we'll start a little bit of a Q&A session with them. And I'll have our ushers collect those questions and we'll try to get to uh, any questions that you might have. And so I appreciate them being willing to um, be targets tonight. Um, and uh, they each have their own expertise and their own strengths, but uh, I'm glad they're here tonight. Our first uh, participant, our first speaker tonight is going to talk a little bit about debt. And uh, Matt Wheeland, uh, right here, Matt, raise your hand. Appreciate Matt. <clears throat> Matt has a bachelor's degree from the University of Akron, and a master's and a Ph.D. from Indiana University, all in accounting. He worked at Arthur Anderson in Cleveland as a state and local tax consultant for three years before returning to school. He taught financial statement analysis at the University of Georgia for seven years and at IUPUI in Indianapolis for three years. He is currently a professor at Miami University's Farmers School of Business. And so we're glad that Matt's going to answer this question and talk to us a little bit about debt. So generally I look at, at debt from a corporate standpoint. And a lot of times when we talk about debt, debt is a, a good thing for companies because they can get debt pretty cheaply and they can earn a return on that debt. Um, that exceeds the cost of the debt, and so it creates value for their shareholders. Um, but that's because they can invest in productive assets. And so us as individuals, I guess my, my two things, the two simple things about debt is first, stay out of debt. <laughs> that's the first rule. And the second rule is once you're in debt, then you try to get out of it. And so that's the uh, more practical um, piece there because at the end of the day, you know, debt is sometimes it's necessary. And so if nobody, at least I did not have enough money saved up to buy a home um, when it was time to buy a home. And so you take a mortgage, which is debt. And so hopefully that, that will appreciate and maybe you'll get a larger rate of appreciation than the interest that you pay, but maybe not so likely. Um, but then it's also we have a car. And so a lot of times you have a car debt. And so I think um, a home debt and car debt are probably the two biggest debts that we'll end up um, taking on. And so, um, and then the, the third reason why we have debt, third reason why sometimes it's necessary is we just have an emergency. So there are three, I guess three what I would call maybe good reasons for having debt is the home, the car, and then an, an emergency. And so um, what I would say is, is I would try to avoid the emergency. And so how do I avoid the emergency situation? And that is um, by setting up a, an emergency fund. And so some people will say um, six months worth of your salary or maybe six months worth of your your living expenses that you set aside and you don't you forget about it. And what that then allows you to do is when this emergency does arise, because most of us an emergency is going to arise at some point, your hot water heater is gonna break or your car is gonna break down or something's gonna happen. Um, you wanna have that fund there that's able to kind of give you a cushion to avoid to help you avoid taking on um, consumer debt debt. And so um so with with the car, I guess uh, one of the, the things that has worked for Laura and I is that what we've tried to do is for, for car debt, because cars do depreciate, and so you're paying interest 
on something that's losing value. But um, what we've tried to do is we try to keep our cars for 10 years. And so if we have two cars and we keep them for 10 years and we, we take a loan out for four years, uh, what that means is that two years we'll be able to, to have a car, have cars without having loan payments. And so it's just kind of nice to then hopefully save. And a lot of times then you're paying for repairs on those cars that are 10 years old, but that's okay. Um, and so, so that would be one thing that uh, kind of a piece of advice, I guess, that, that I would have is try to keep those try to keep the cars a little bit longer than trading them in every once in a while or, or more often. Um, and then, so, so once we're in debt, how do we get out of debt? And so I, one of the things that I was thinking about as I thought about this, and I've had all kinds of debt, so I was a student, and, and those predatory credit card companies are coming to campus, and they're getting you to buy, getting you to take a credit card, and you take it in the first four or five months, you buy a couple things, and then you pay it off, but then all of a sudden you decide you really want this new suit or something and you buy it and, oh yeah, I'll pay it off. And then you don't. And then it kind of gets bigger and bigger, but luckily then hopefully you graduate and get a job that you can then pay it off. Or at least thankfully that was my situation. And so I've had all of those debts. And so I, as I was thinking about it, I was thinking, remember that feeling that you get, maybe this would help you when you're, when you're about to buy something. Remember that feeling that you get when you get that statement at the end of the month that says, this is what you owe. This is how much interest you're paying. Um, and so if you remember that horrible feeling that you feel, or at least I have felt, um, mm-hmm. then maybe when you're looking to buy that thing, you'll say, okay, wait a minute, I don't want to buy that because I don't want to have that feeling. So, so I think that one of the ways to, to get out of debt is to stop the cycle, to try to figure out, okay, do I really need this? Am I just buying this because I get this great feeling for the next day or two because I have this new toy, um, but then I, have to, then I have that horrible feeling for the next six months as I work on paying it off. And so... Um, so I would say trying to stop the cycle would be important. Then I would say once we are in debt, um, something called snowballing the debt. And so what that kind of means is you pay off the smaller amounts first. And so if you have three credit cards and one's 500 and others at 10,000, the other one's at 15,000, you pay off that small one first, just because you get a good, you get a sense of accomplishment when you do that. And so then you can take the payments that you were making on that one and apply it then to the next, um, to the next balance. And I think there's a psychological feeling a boost that you get when you're doing that. And so I would, uh, that would be the last thing. And then a lot, the, the, um, the other thing I would think about is, is when you are in debt, trying to eliminate some of the excess, um, things in your life, try to identify and take stock of what are the things that I'm paying for right now and what can I maybe not pay for? Um, so for example, a year ago, we decided to get rid of our cable bill. And so our, our cable bill, um, went, from you know, but we kept the internet, so it went from 150 to 100 to 50, and so now we, you know, save 100 dollars. And a bonus is you're not if you don't watch TV as much, then you're not going to be bombarded by advertisements, which get you to buy more stuff. Um, and the channels that you get on just antenna TV, um, you don't they're not as corrupt as some of the other channels that you get on cable. So <laughs> I'm trying to say it's a very very win-win situation. So um, so just in general, I try to stay out of debt, but we all know that that's um, almost impossible, but try to try to limit the debt, I think, to, to some of those bigger things and then work on paying them off, I think is a good advisor. It was, what's worked for us so far. So. All right. So um, you'll have an opportunity if you want to write down questions. I'm going to move to our next topic, which is taxes and uh, give unto Caesar what is Caesar's, right? That's the but how can we only give Caesar what he really needs? All right, so um, Alex Shirley, I'm 
just uh, really thankful for Alex and his uh, pursuit of what God's doing in his life. He earned his bachelor's in accounting from Miami University. Matt Whelan gave him his accounting degree, and, uh, no, and then a BA in biblical studies from IBC. He also has a CPA license, and uh, he's interned at uh, Delano Shirley and Associates through college, and then he worked for uh, as a tax accountant at Scroggins and Greer, and then has recently moved back as an accountant at Delano Shirley and Associates and uh, plans to dethrone his father someday. Um, but um, Alex is going to talk to us a little bit about taxes. Yeah, who loves taxes? Yeah. Yeah. It's getting exciting in here. <laughs> uh, probably the biggest question that we get on taxes is how much should I have withheld each week for my paycheck, right? We all are familiar with the, the W-4 form when you start a new job and you, you have to fill it out. And most people are very confused by that form and, and don't know how to fill it out. And that does affect their, their tax return at the end of the year. Um, so luckily, you're not alone if you don't know how to fill one of those out. But luckily, the IRS has a website that you can go to called W-4 Calculator. So if you Google W-4 Calculator... The first link is an IRS website that you can go in and you can enter in some of your basic tax information. And at the end, it will tell you the number of allowances to claim and try and get you as close to a zero tax return as possible. So if you were to go to this website, you would want your your most recent pay stub with you and also your most recently filed tax return. There's some basic information uh, that they're going to ask questions on and you'll be able to grab those uh, the answers to that off of your tax returns questions like uh, what's your filing status? Are you single, married, filing jointly, head of household? Um, how many dependents do you have? Uh, how much income do you expect to make uh, throughout the year? And then off of your pay stub, how much income tax did you have withheld on your last pay stub? And then also how much income tax have you had withheld year to date? Uh, it'll also ask you to estimate your itemized deductions for the year. And then once you enter all that information in, at the end, like I said, it'll spit out the, the number of allowances that you should claim on your W-4. It'll also tell you, uh, based on the information that you put in, right, this calculator is only good as the information you put in, so it's important to get good, accurate information. But it'll, it'll tell you your expected refund, or if you, you end up owing, it'll tell you what you expect or should expect to either pay or get a refund at the end of the year. Uh, Probably the biggest misconception that we have about taxes is that a big refund is a good thing. That's not not ideal. Um, Basically, you know, a refund is money that you gave to the government throughout the year, and you technically didn't owe, so they're just giving it back to you. It was an interest-free loan that you gave the government, when you could have been taking that money, putting it in your pockets, paying bills, making ends meet, um, you know, saving up for a trip, a family vacation, or even putting that money into a savings account and an investment account and letting that money earn you more money. So, for example, if Nathan you know, were to correct his W-4, he could get Charlotte that pool that she deserves, right? I mean, it's as simple as that. It's, he's given himself a raise. Um, uh, Uh, Another thing that's new that started in 2018 that I think you guys should be aware of is the family tax credit. Uh, This is brand new for 2018. 
uh, moving forward also. So we're all aware of the child tax credit. You know, if you have children, the IRS gives you a credit. You get a, a nice little break. But that credit is only good up through the age of 16. So once they turn 17, you lose that credit. Well, the family tax credit helps out with that. It, um, it's for any dependent ages 17 or older. This could be children, could be parents, uh, any qualifying relatives that meet the IRS standards. Um, you can get a $500 uh, non-refundable tax credit. It's not as, as beefy as the child tax credit, but it is a credit that, that will help. Um, another thing is if you're married and both of uh, you and your spouse work, you both have similar income. You may want to look even look into uh, potentially changing your filing status to married filing separately. This could bump both of you down into a lower tax bracket, and therefore you guys would low as a whole less less tax, which which would be awesome, you know. Um, so again, the probably the biggest thing you can do to help yourself out is to make sure that you have your W-4 filled out correctly. You're withholding the correct amount. You know, you're not having too much withheld. You're not, you know, owing a big amount at the end of the year. Um, and, and that can be a great, great blessing to you. All right. Wonderful. All right. The next thing that uh, you're going to hear is about retirement. And uh, we passed out to you an article that uh, Joe Wilson, a member of our church, many of you know him, he grew up here at Calvary, but uh, he wrote this article, it was published by Kiplinger Magazine, and uh, he is out of the country, that's why he's not here tonight. Uh, Joe has 13 years of experience in financial services industry, an accredited asset management specialist. He's passed the Series 7, 31, and 66 securities exams and holds life and health insurance licenses. Joe has a Bachelor's of Science from Indiana Wesleyan University. And so this article I thought was a great way to break down retirement in a simple form. Uh, But I'm going to have Nathan Varnum just pull out maybe a few things about it that uh, might be interesting, and I'll introduce Nathan now as well uh, because he's going to just highlight some things about this article, and then he's going to talk about budgeting as well. But uh, Nathan received his Bachelor of Science in Accounting from Miami University, and after working in public accounting, went to work for an automotive supplier as their controller and then as the chief financial officer. After 10 years at that company, he worked for two years with Delano Shirley and Associates, helping small businesses and churches and individuals with budgeting and taxes. And after escaping that sweatshop in 2008, right, that's what he put, um, in 2008, returned to the corporate world with Luminex Home Decor and Fragrance, initially serving in the finance department and then in early 2015 accepting the position of Senior Vice President of Global Supply Chain. In addition, Nathan volunteers as treasurer for the Calvary Academy, serves on several other advisory boards, and over the years has counseled numerous individuals and families on budgeting. So Nathan's going to address retirement and budgeting. Well, the, the first thing I would say about retiring is to do it as quickly as you can. Actually, that's, actually, that's not a great idea sometimes. <laughs> We're supposed to stay busy, so be careful with when you retire. But if you are going to retire, if you want to retire, uh, our, our good friend Joe has written a, a really good, really easy-to-read article. I don't know if you've, many of you have read it yet, but um, 
not while I'm te- while I'm speaking. Please pay attention to me right now. But later, uh, take a few minutes and read it. Um, and, and I think you know retirement planning um, for for Christians sometimes there's a there's a bit of a tension point um, because you know we read in the Bible where it says. Uh, the foxes don't know where they're going to sleep at night, so don't worry. Don't worry about what tomorrow brings. So we, we see that in the Bible, but then at the, on the other hand, we know that it's, it's on us to save for our retirement. And, you know, I, I deal with that, that, that tension point as well. Um, I think it's something that we have, to, we have to kind of parse out. The reality is in our culture, we are responsible for our retirement. And so as a part of being a good steward, as we've talked about, if you want to be able to continue to bless the kingdom of God throughout your life, including after, after you are no longer in the workforce, then it's important to retire. So this is a really, really important issue. It's one that um, I think any, any article you ever read suggests that everyone in the United States is behind where they should be. So you're not alone in being behind. Everyone else is too. Um, couple of the things that I thought Joe did a really good job with, and, and again, it's a, it's a great article, but he mentioned a couple things that not everyone in his position will, will, will talk about or, or reference. And one of those is he, um, he talks about having a, a root cellar. And a, basically what he's saying is, you know, make sure you have some of your investments and some pretty safe stuff. You know, that's not the best way to get a good return on your investments, but boy, you want to make sure you have some things invested in a way that it's not going to blow away in the next economic downturn. And I think that's really, really important. I'm really appreciated his pointing that out. And then the other one that he pointed out, he said, pay tax on the seed, not the harvest. And what he's really referring to there is there are a lot of ways to save for retirement. Many of us default right to the company 401k or something like that. That is a tax deferred uh, way of saving for retirement, which means we don't pay tax now. But when we start taking it out down the road, we're going to be paying tax on it then. That's, you know, 401k, that's a great vehicle. I don't want to take away from that. But I also, as he did, really encourage people to look for some ways that they can save for retirement in a non-tax deferred manner. Roth IRA being the most prominent and maybe the best vehicle. Um, It's really important because, you know, when you have, let's say you retire and you have a million dollars in your 401k, that, four, that million dollars, it's effectively like $750,000. And I know that still sounds like a lot to you, but it doesn't take much time to run through that. It, you know, th- those taxes will take a bite out of, out of your uh, income when you retire. And it's really nice to have some ability to pull money out that's not going to be taxed because it was taxed in the beginning. So really good article. I encourage you to read it. And as any, uh, anyone will tell you, the earlier you can start saving, the better off you are. All right. And then uh, dive right into right budgeting, into budget, which is yeah. almost as riveting a discussion as uh, taxes. Um, and uh, I'm just going to, I want to make sure you understand, first of all, that it, it, there's work involved. And I'm sorry, it, there is, there's some work involved in budgeting. I wish I could sugarcoat it. I can't. You, you will not be able to budget unless you know where your money's going. Okay. It's, it's as simple as that. You got to know where you're spending your money before you can ever budget. I have counseled a number of people, and I can, I can tell you, many, many people who have come to me are looking for a, mag, a, a silver bullet, a magic bullet. They are looking for an abracadabra that I can tell them that makes budgeting easy, and I can't do it. It's going to take you some work. 
but don't worry. I can tell you some things that will help simplify the work a little bit. Um, so first of all, there are some nice tools out there. When I first got married and was doing this, I had this big, remember the big ledger paper that you'd write on? You may not remember. You're a little younger than I am. Anyway, this ledger paper, I, I, I was actually writing it out on ledger paper. Shut up. Um, but now they have all these really neat tools. Um, if you want to go all out and you want to impress your friends and neighbors, then use Quicken. It's, I mean, it, it, it is the granddad. I mean, it's, it's, it's everything you would want. I, my tail's wagging right now just talking about Quicken. Um, again, there's some, there's some work involved that you can, you know, you got to make sure you've accounted for everything you've spent in there and, and you're going to, you're going to use that to reconcile your accounts and things like that. So there is a lot of work involved. So I'm telling you, not everybody in here should use Quicken because you're not willing to invest the work into it. And that's okay. There's some other things you can do. There's some apps. For example, there's an app called, um, every dollar. That's a really neat tool. I think that's, um, Whereas Quicken requires some work, every dollar really just mainly requires discipline. It's pretty simple to use. It just requires discipline. Every time you spend money, you got to log into that app. Boom, you're, you're good to go. Um, so take a look, look for that. And I got to tell you, maybe the most effective system is really old school, and boy, is it effective, and that is the envelope system. Most of you have heard of it. Super, super easy. If you're going to spend $150 on groceries in a week, at the beginning of the week, you put $150 in cash in an envelope marked groceries. You do that for each one of the accounts or spending areas that you want to, well, you want to track like this. And when you get to the end of that $150, you are done buying groceries. See, so the app or anything else, that's not really controlling your spending. That's just telling you how much you have spent. But the envelope system... It can, it can control your spending because you, you, you run out and, you know, it's not a credit card, it's, it's cash. So that's a really, really good way to do it. Um, I want, I want to make sure you understand, and, and a lot of you are going to, people are going to be shocked by this, but I'm going to tell you this now. You, ha, you do need to make sure you know where everything's going. When you set up your initial budget, you need to account for everything, account for everything. But then once you've done that, once you've gotten an idea of where you're going to be spending your money, don't manage every account. It's not worth it. There are some accounts you need to manage, and there are some you don't. And frankly, for most of us, there's about five accounts, six accounts, that you really need to focus on. When I say accounts, I'm talking about categories of spending. Um, Groceries, dining out, entertainment, clothing, those things, those are the key things. There's a few others. You really got to focus on those. Utilities? Who cares? Gasoline for your car? Frankly, who cares? Now, I understand in some extreme cases, some people may have to opt for public transit if they can't afford the gas. But for most of us, I don't control whether gas is $2 a gallon or $4 a gallon. I don't control it. I have to drive to work. So I'm not going to invest a lot of my time trying to manage to a budget there because it's frankly out of my control. I do control how much I eat out, frankly, and as you can see, probably too much. I do control what kind of clothing I buy. There's a lot of those kinds of things I control. Don't waste your time trying to manage every single account. Identify where you're, where you're, you're, where the, where you're the weakest and really focus on those. And then last thing I want to point out is, and this is one that so many people mess up on, make sure you budget for non-routine expenses. You you're going to spend 
$1,500 every year on car maintenance. I can tell you, everyone in here is going to do just about that much on average over the period you own your car, unless you always turn, you know, have a two or three year old car covered by warranty. But it's going to be 1000 to 1500 year after year after year. It doesn't get spent weekly. You'll go weeks without spending something, and then all of a sudden you have a $500 car bill. Everyone in here, every 10 to 15 years, is going to spend $1,500 or so or whatever on a refrigerator. It is a lot easier to spend that $1,500 $10 per month. It's a whole lot easier to spend it that way. You set yourself up some bank accounts. You, you call it refrigerator. You call it whatever whatever you want to break it down to. And every week, every month, you just put a little bit in there. And when it comes down time to actually paying $1,500, it is a whole lot easier to pay that $1,500 for the new refrigerator when it's sitting in an account and it's not coming out of your whatever other funds you have. So make sure you understand the non-routine expenses. That is the thing that catches most people. That's when they have to fall back to an emergency fund. An emergency fund is good, but you, if you've planned for it, you, you don't have the emergency. So awesome. there you go. Okay, we're going to take uh, uh, one minute, and uh, if you haven't had a chance to fill out a question, you can fill that out now. I'm going to have our ushers get ready. Just come, come up with the baskets, and uh, we're going to collect um, these questions. All right, we... I don't know if we'll get to all these questions, but we'll do, we'll do our best. Okay, so uh, I think this is in reference to um, budgeting a little bit or investing, uh, but some technology has, uh, some banks allow you uh, to round up on your debit card. Uh, any thoughts on that? Is that a good idea? Does it matter? Go ahead. Rounding up. On rounding your debit up. Card. So I didn't even know what it means. Round up on your debit, debit card. card to invest. So I'm assuming maybe it's a uh, feature on a credit card or something. Or, um, hmm. Well, I don't know enough about it to be able to say it's a good idea. I guess I would say anything that forces you to put money aside, if it, if you need that to add to um, help have the discipline to save for retirement. I don't see anything wrong with it. Okay. I think, like you just said, it's kind of like your example with the $10 every month for the refrigerator. Mm-hmm. If you put a yeah. quarter in, you're not going to necessarily miss it. And so if it's right. getting put into an account, that's a great idea. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. All right. What is a good root seller to invest in? We need to channel Joe here. I'm not an investment guy. I mean, I. Joe? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think. Uh, do you know? Do you know much about this? I, I, I think, um, you know, obviously, well, I don't know. I, I don't know. I can't, I'm not a good investment guy. I just do what my investment guy tells me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank, thanks for being here. Yeah. <laughs> Glad to help. Is it, <laughs> is it okay to cancel a credit card once paid off? it okay to cancel a credit card once it's paid? It, it, it is. Just keep in mind that your credit, and I, I'm a little out of my depth, but your credit score is based on how much you have borrowed versus your capability to borrow. 
So there are times when actually having a credit card that is not used helps your credit score because it, it shows that you have the capacity to borrow more. So, you know, you don't want to go, if, if your credit score is important for you, um, then you don't necessarily want to go without having access to debt. You just don't want to use that access. Yeah, you, there you go. Cut the card up, but keep the card. Yeah, yeah. or lock it away. Or lock it away. Give it to somebody else and tell them to hold yeah. it for you. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> what she said. Amy, would you like to join this panel? Come on, Amy. <laughs> All right. Is it wise to take out an equity loan to pay off debts? I have an answer. You have an answer? I have an answer for everything except that investment question. Well, I have question. answers. I just don't know. If, uh, yeah, so, so I, I guess personally I think about interest rates, and so is the interest rate lower on your home equity loan? So if you can get an interest rate of 4% on your home equity loan and pay off a 20% credit card bill, then yes, I think it's a, a very smart idea. Yeah, and I think the other side is are you disciplined enough not to – ring up that credit card again. Yeah, yeah, and so then you cut up the credit card. Yeah, I think you get into yeah. cycle there. Any yep. other thoughts on that? I think so. All right, I would ask this question, but I'm not sure we have, anybody can answer it. What is a good percent for retirement savings to use? A percent of your income, I guess it's it's suggesting. Um, I think... You know, it's it depends on. There's a lot of variables, but man, I I would say you should start out as quickly as you can, getting six percent, eight percent, and by the time you get to fifty, you want to be in the double digits. I know that Miami University withholds without us asking um, twelve and a half percent. So yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Yeah. Again, the earlier. And you've, some of you may have seen the statistics. They, you know, if you start when you're 21 doing 5%, it's better than starting when you're 45 doing 15%. I mean, you know, that's not the right percentages, but the earlier you start because it starts compounding, mm-hmm. the earlier you start, the higher you start, man, the better off you are. I would say if your company has a match at a certain percent, at least that percent also, because yeah. if you're under that, you're, you're giving away free money. Yep. So, can, can the IRS tax the money in your bank account? Um, it should already be taxed if it was income to you at some point. But if it's just sitting there, then no. I mean, you'll, if you get interest on it, you'll get a 1099 interest statement that you'll have to put on your tax return, but if it's just sitting there, then no. All right. So in regards to student loans, how do you manage student loan debt in a reasonable way that helps you pay it back faster, owing less interest? What are, what are some ways you... Yeah, I think uh, just personally, because I had student loan debt... Um, I think just trying to pay more than the monthly minimum. Whatever they tell you, try to pay more. And I think it goes a little bit to budgeting and figuring out how much do you spend, how much do I have left, and then using that money to um, towards that. 
Okay. Yeah, I think there. Um, the I think there are some tax deductions for student loan interest still, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you know you do want to factor that in if if um, if you're evaluating student paying off student loan debt early versus a credit credit card debt or something like that. Um, I mean, it, it really it's a very it comes down to interest rates, comparing the interest rates and the tax impact as well. Definitely. In a lot of situations, I would say most situations, it's probably better to pay the consumer debt off first before right. you yeah. start paying the student loan debt. Definitely. Okay. So yeah, this this question is similar. Um, but how do you manage student loans and saving and paying current bills help? Help it was help at the end of it. Well, I think it starts with budgeting. I mean, honestly, if you, you you don't know how to get out of the hole or position you're in again until you know where you're spending your money. Um and and one of the one of the things that you, you know you want to be that, that makes budgeting powerful is we have this uh, you can easily have a, a felt sense of sacrifice so you know you can one one Friday night you can forego getting your normal pizza and you feel really powerful and you feel like I've really done something great financially. Reality is you just save 15 to 20 dollars in the scheme of things it may not mean a lot, but you feel like you did a lot. So that's the reason it's so important to, to, to understand where your spending is so you can measure against that. And then you would quickly see, oh wow, that wasn't that, that wasn't really that much. So first start with budgeting. And then, you know, as we said before, and you know, I, don't hesitate to come take as much of Alex's time as you need to to talk about taxes, understanding the tax implications of stuff. Don't hesitate to come take as much of Matt's time as you want to. Either one of them will be glad to talk to you about this to help you understand, you know, some of those nuances from, you know, what you should pay off first. Because mm -hmm. I, I think, as a general rule, credit card first. But then there are some nuances with it. And I think, uh, so one thing as I was thinking about today and preparing for today is, uh, is uh, one thing that you can do is having, uh, a, to make it systematic to where you don't, where it's just natural and where I'm not writing the check and maybe thinking about it every time is just having, setting up a, like a payroll, not a payroll deduction, but a bank transfer every month to where this money is going out without you thinking about it. And so I thought that was a really good idea is you're setting up a system to where you're not. So it's just happening. And so, and then you're dealing with whatever is left over. Um, that, I would say that. And then the second thing is, 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 as I did look and I listened to some podcasts on the way home, um, that's what I would suggest. The, the pod, there's a lot of podcasts, and Dave Ramsey is one, um, where if you listen to that, it's going to help change your attitude towards debt and towards money management. And, um, and it's going to give you support because it's really hard, and you're, gonna, you're not going to do it the best all the time, but by listening to that podcast, just in the ride home, I had some interesting ideas that could be helpful. So, All right. Uh, this is not necessarily in your purview, but would you maybe have any um, thoughts on this? What is better, a trust or a will? you had any experience to answer that question? 
All I know is that a trust that helps you avoid probate, a will does not. Um, it's a good thing to avoid probate. So, you know, I think having a trust is, a, is generally a really good thing. Okay. And uh, I'll, I'll ask this question. Um, what about leaving church as the beneficiary? Is that a good idea? Almost as good as leaving me as a beneficiary. <laughs> no, it is. It, I mean, it's it's a great thing. Obviously, it you know it's uh, it, it, there's there's no tax advantage to it or anything like that. But it's there's a heavenly advantage to it. So yeah, absolutely, it's a great thing to be able to leave the church as a beneficiary for your for your uh, estate. All right. Uh, this question, do you pay tithes on gross income or net income? Gross. Gross. Okay. Um, why, this might be for Alex, why can't the tax man tell me his cost up front when filing? Hashtag TurboTax. <laughs> if you can do it yourself, I'm all for it. All right. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Um, what should I do if my spouse and I disagree on the budget? I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> that is awesome. Well, um, I strongly, strongly, in the strongest possible uh, way, will tell you that you should work together on your budget. Um, Charlotte, if she were in here, would accuse me of not doing that, but I still strongly, strongly encourage it. Because the reality is you do both need to be bought into it. And, and, it's, and it's really, I know, frustrating for people who are being held to a budget when they don't understand the context in which that budget was developed. So... Um, I mean, the reality is you're, you're, you're just never going to be successful unless both of you are bought into it. Okay. Kristen. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Any thoughts on leasing a vehicle versus having a car payment? I mean, they, I, I'm, I'm talking a lot, I know, but they both, you're looking at me. I will tell you, financially, leasing is never the right thing. But if, you're, if you are determined to own a, a new car every three years, then go, go at it. I have no problem with people leasing a vehicle. It's not a, financially, it's not a financial decision, right? It's a, it is a, I want to have a new car every three years, then go ahead and lease. It's in your yeah, perfect. Yes, as long as you can pay for it and it doesn't cause you to, to go into to debt. All right. Uh, last question. Uh, with so much to give attention to, what should someone focus on first? What do you feel like is the priority in your finances? Go I would ahead. We'll that, have all of you answer that. I would say the budget first. I think that's the place to really figure out where you're spending. Yeah. Okay. Any yeah, other? I would agree. Budget. You you got to know where your money's going before you can make any changes. So. Yeah. I concur. Okay. 
All right. Um, well, I'm going to stop us here. I appreciate them just offering their uh, expertise and their perspective. Would you appreciate them? you'll stand, we're going to go to the Lord in prayer. And again, if you have other questions, you can certainly ask those to any of them. Uh, hopefully, you've got somebody in your life you can ask financial questions to. Um, I, I definitely uh, recommend Dave Ramsey uh, as uh, uh, an excellent voice. Uh, in my opinion, one of the best voices right now out there on Finances. If you've never taken Financial Peace University, uh, we've offered that and will offer that as a life group uh, in the future. Uh, but there are Financial Peace University opportunities all around us here in Cincinnati. And if you're really uh, thinking through these type of questions, I encourage you to take Financial Peace University somewhere. Um, listen to Dave Ramsey. He's a great, great resource. But certainly we've got experts among us, and uh, um, I believe it, money matters to God. And so that's why we're taking some time to try to help us uh, be the best we can be with money. But uh, we're going to pray in closing and dismiss you. Lord, I thank you for your kindness to us, your goodness to us. Thank you, God, for what we've heard tonight, just some of the practical things to consider I pray, oh God, that we would take seriously what you put in our hand, God, in way of finances, Lord, that we would not uh, just waste it selfishly. We would not waste it, God, in, in spending it just carelessly. But Lord, let us be good stewards so that we can be a blessing to our family, so we can be a blessing to those around us, our community, and the church. Lord, I'm praying that you would just continue to elevate our awareness and, and opportunity to give. We thank you, O oh God, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Everyone said amen. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.